All right, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. All right, happy Father's Day. How many fathers are in the room today? Nice, how many of you have fathers in the room? Good, you're passing the test so far. Good morning, hey, my name's Clint uh, Trebish, and I'm on staff with an organization called The Navigators. My wife and I and our three beautiful little girls live in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I love that uh, I got up this morning and my girls were so excited to, to say Happy Father's Day. They just were beaming with joy that um, they got a day where they could run and give me a hug this morning early. And, and so it's, it's a fun day uh, for all the fathers out there to celebrate. Um, my wife and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia three years ago and uh, went to, to plant a new campus ministry at Georgia State University. And it's exciting for us to be here, for me to be here for a few reasons this morning. One is that um, we are blessed with your partnership. Hilton Head Island Community Church has been so generous. You've been so generous to partner with us, to support us as we advance the gospel and make disciples and raise up future leaders among college students in Atlanta. Um, It's also exciting because my wife's family goes here, our members here, my wife grew up here on the island. And so we love that we get to come back and worship here with you and and be with our family. And so it's exciting for me to be here this morning. And Pastor Todd and and, uh, Cynthia invited me to come speak this morning to continue your sermon series you're going through on remembering, specifically, don't forget this. And and you've been going through a number of things. And and I understand a few weeks ago, Todd had shared about um, how he had struggled with uh, the issue of selective hearing and selective memory, and, uh, and, and, and I feel like my wife had told me something similar about that at one point, but either I wasn't paying attention or I don't remember, and, and so, you know, it's, it's easy to tune things out, to forget, and there are certain things God instructs us and compels us to be in tune with. Um, for our benefit, for our blessing, for our well-being, that he doesn't want us to forget. And so this morning, we're going to be continuing this series on uh, Don't Forget This with a specific focus on following the wisdom of your parents. Don't forget this. Follow the wisdom of your parents. And uh, this is so huge. This is throughout the scriptures over and over again in different forms. But God tells us to remember and not forget over 200 times in the scriptures, which makes me realize we really have a problem with remembering and forgetting the things uh, that he wants us to remember. So hey, pull out your Bibles, pull out, if you have it on your smartphone, you can pull out your fake Bible or your real Bible, Uh, I'm just kidding, this morning, and uh, pull out your notes and we're going to jump in, but let me pray for us and we'll open the word of God together. Heavenly Father, God, it's a joy that we get to come and worship you. We're going to sing praises to you together. We get to join together in community and, and enjoy fellowship, enjoy relationships, and enjoy you. And you are the reason we are here, God. Lord, we wouldn't be gathering if it weren't for you bringing us into life and relationship with you. So we praise you, God. I praise you and thank you for this church, for these people. And pray, God, that this morning you would speak clearly through your word and powerfully with me through your word. And that, God, you give us ears to hear, hearts 
to see and understand your truth. God, that it would not just give us information, but that you would lead us to transformation in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna look at um, Proverbs chapter one, verses seven through nine this morning. And uh, this has been huge in my life recently, uh, especially since I became a, a father with three little girls. And uh, my father-in-law, who I love and is such a good father and such a good dad uh, for me to see model, my father-in-law had two daughters who each had girls, and so we're, we're full of girls, and he calls it being a minority and a sorority. And, uh, and so it's a delight. But this, this piece of scripture has really been on my heart a lot, being a father with young kids. And so let's read together Proverbs 1, verses 7 through 9. <clears throat> Solomon, the king of Israel, writes this. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. We live in a day and age, in a, in a time in history that is so radically different than anyone in the history of the world has ever experienced. You know, being um, in college ministry, I really try to keep up and track trends, shifting changes, you know, in, in culture and all kinds of things. And, and, it, and it's crazy to me to think that in, in just another year or two, a couple years, that incoming college freshmen, some of you are in here, some of you I'm speaking to, um, you were born into a world post-2000 where all you've known is a world of after 9-11, terrorism, these wars. You've been born into a, a, a world where in the last decade you've seen and experienced and, and maybe you've had family members have tremendous economic and financial turmoil. You've been born into a world that has been dictated by these little devices smartphones, where at, at the touch of your finger, you have instant access to anything you want. It's crazy. You could learn how to do surgery on someone in like 30 seconds on this thing, you know, or build a house. You could build a house by watching YouTube or something. And, you know, and, and so it's just crazy how different the, the world is now. And, um, and I look at, at the cultural implications, the generational implications and the individual implications of a, of a passage like this that says the beginning of knowledge, knowledge which we are so craving in our day and age, right? That's why we made smartphones. We crave knowledge. We crave understanding. We crave insight. We crave the ability to know and learn and understand things, whatever it is. And God says the beginning of this starts with what? The fear of the Lord. And yet, all around us, we see things completely contradictory to this, right? We see things that say, hey, you know, the beginning of knowledge is experience. Just go experience a few things. Figure it out. Or the beginning of knowledge starts with taking a class, hearing someone lecture, preach, or teach. The beginning of knowledge is to Ask Siri. 
Siri, what is? What, you know, and, and, and what we often do is we, we throw out and we substitute the very foundation God has set forward for us for something that will never truly fulfill. And when God says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, I just think, Lord, this is, this is the foundation I want to build my life on. And, and all too quickly, I just I turn to my smartphone or I turn to the internet or I turn to someone else and, and, I, and I forget to turn to the Lord and to seek the Lord. And it says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. The foolish, the ones living in folly, they, they hear this and they mock and they laugh and they think, Psh, do whatever feels good. Do whatever what you think is best. You know, and so, so the cultural implications of a piece of scripture like this are crazy. You know, when Isaiah the prophet, 4,000 years ago, almost, he said, in the last days, people will love evil and hate good. And then Paul says in the New Testament, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. You know, and, and it's, it's crazy to think we live in a day and age when uh, you, can, you can build a monument to yourself for the rest of the world to see and understand and like in one page, right? You, you can make a page dedicated to yourself that the rest of the world can see and enjoy and click a button whether they like or not, right? And so we live in this time where the fear of the Lord is one of the last things on our mind. The generational implications of this are, are absolutely unreal. Because as we look to the next generation, and as Solomon is writing this, Solomon, the wise king who ended up having crazy downfall and destruction in his life later on because he forgot to follow his own instruction, right? He says, at this time, he says, the next generation has to know, they need to know and understand and grab hold of the truth that can fill them. And so what I want to do is actually spend the rest of our time camping on verse 8 here. And and verse 7 sets the stage for this. You know, we have to fear the Lord and understand what seeking wisdom and knowledge is built on. And then Solomon, he says, now there's a structure that God has put in place that we have to live in, right? Our culture and our world tell us, no, we're not going to live in that. And so we're going to take a little bit of time looking at this and examining the contrast of two people. The two people in this passage are the fool and the faithful. And the question we need to ask as we go through this is, which one am I? Am I following the course of the fool or the course of the faithful. And so in verse 8, in Proverbs 1.8, to read it again, as Solomon is, is writing this and passing this on, he, he starts with, my son, my child. When he wrote it, that was the thing he opened up with, my son, my child. And, and so for those of us in here that uh, have great relationships with our parents, Great relationship with a father and a mother. You know, this verse is, is um, maybe not necessarily easy to grab a hold of, but it's a lot more easy to comprehend. And to say, yeah, okay, I, I enjoy 
and I love and I cherish and I treasure my relationship with my father. And a lot of you have that. You have great relationships with your parents. And that is amazing. And I, and I wish all of us could say that, right? I wish all of us could say, I had a great relationship with my dad and with my mom. And I still do. But the reality is that we live in a world that that's not the case. And to a lot of us, and a lot of you maybe, the relationship between you and your parents, or if you're a parent, the relationship between you and your child may be fractured, tense, even broken in some ways. And so when, when Solomon writes this, he says, my child. And here's what's behind that. He says, my dear, precious, beloved son. Or we could put daughter in there. He says, you are precious to me. I delight in you. And, and literally, this is, this is a loved, trusted, respected relationship. And it's built on a God-honoring, God-fearing, God-following interaction and relationship between a father, a mother, and a son. And, and Solomon says, my child. And I look at this, and, and, and I think, God, I, I want, I, I crave for this kind of relationship. And, and my story, I, I wish, was a little different. And in the sovereignty of God, God has brought me to a place that I wouldn't have any other way. But uh, I didn't come to know the Lord until I went to college. And so I grew up in a home and a family where we we grew up thinking we were Christian. We kind of were cultural Christians. But, but what that meant to me was that if, if I believed Jesus was a good guy and I tried to be a good guy, then everything was going to be good, right? And, that, and I grew up thinking that until I started reading the Bible. <laughs> and I realized that is not at all what this says. That's not what's going on here. And I grew up in a home where my, my parents loved us. They raised us with great morals, ethics, values. And, and now I look back and I realize my parents raised us with the, the best that they could with what they had. They raised us in the best way they could with the skills and the understanding and the knowledge that they had. But at the time, that was void of God. It was void of Jesus. And there was an interaction that I had with my father when I was in middle school. At an early age, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. I was playing basketball. I grew up playing sports, loved it. And we, we must have had this epically disastrous game. I don't remember much about the game. Um, but we, we lost, I know that. And, uh, and I remember after the game, kind of being down and, and, and going up to my father, and my father was just silent. He just didn't say anything to me, really. You know, and I, I kind of took from the cues, like, okay, let's go. And we got in the car, and he was just silent the whole ride home. Just me and him. And we pull in the driveway about 15 minutes later to our house. And he says, Clint, I'm so disappointed in you. I'm so, I'm so frustrated with your performance with that. And, and, and that word, disappointed, just resonated with me. And I remember thinking, wait, what? What? This was a basketball game. I thought the goal was just to have fun, right? And hearing those words from my dad just cut into me. And, and what I started to do is I started to embrace this lie. 
I started to believe this lie that said, in order to win favor and to be respected and loved, I had to perform and succeed and be better and win. And and what that started to manifest in my life was this drive for superficial, you know, superficiality, a mask. And, And it really grabbed a hold of my life until I started realizing this lie after I became a Christian. Now, looking back on it, I realize that children are great observers. Children can see things and take things in and observe things well. They don't miss a lot. But children are not always great interpreters. And that as a kid, I observed this situation, but what I interpreted now I come to know it was very different than what my father had intended. And I have a, a good relationship with my dad. I love my dad, and we've worked through a lot, and, and I respect him, and I look at to him as a model in so many ways. But I look at that, and I think, how many of us have fractured relationships with our parents because of this? And some of us have greater fraction, brokenness, divorce, abuse. And even David right? Solomon, who wrote this, his father, David, says this. David said in Psalm 27, for my father and my mother have forsaken me. They've forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And what David came to realize was that in the imperfect lives of my parents, we have a perfect God. And though our earthly fathers and our earthly mothers may be imperfect and flawed, we have a perfect heavenly father who loves us and cares for us deeply. And so as as David is raising Solomon, I can imagine Solomon is seeing some of this. And then Solomon's trying to impart this to his kids. And Solomon says, my son, my child, hear Listen, obey. That word here, and he says it in a different way. He says, forsake not your mother's teaching. He says, hear and forsake not. What is really going on is Solomon's saying, you have to grab a hold of what I'm saying tightly. Don't let it go and take action with it. This is not just a passive, oh, I heard you know, a, a song on the radio and it really impacted me. This is, this is actually grabbing hold of the words and the truth and the instruction and the teaching and making change in our lives about it. When he says, hear, listen, obey, understand, discern, acknowledge, give heed to, yield to, be concerned with, take interest in and receive, that's what's going on. He's saying, I want you to get this. And this is crazy because this same word is the same word Adam used in the Garden of Eden, when he got in trouble. In Genesis 3, this is not going to come up on the screen, but in Genesis 3, I'll I'll kind of paraphrase, you know, God, our Father, had created his children. He'd made his children, and he had perfect relationship with them, and it was great, and it was joyful, and it was full of life, and peace, and harmony, and unity, and God said, you can enjoy everything I've created. I, I created this for you to enjoy it. But there's something that we have to put some parameters on. You, 
I don't want you to know the difference between good and evil because it will bring your death and destruction. So there's a tree that I've created that has a fruit that contains that knowledge. Don't eat it. You're going to die. But what happens? We know the story. A lie gets planted into the hearts of God's children. And that lie by our deceiver, by Satan, says, did God really say, did God really say you would die? Creates doubt. Did God really not want you? I, I, I think God wants you to be constrained and confined and not to experience the fullness of life that he's promised. And, and if you eat this, you're gonna, he doesn't want you to be like him. You know? And so this lie just builds. And God's children, Adam and Eve, say, hmm, maybe you're right. And we know that the story is they ended up rejecting God. They reject God's truth. And they eat of this fruit. And what happens? They hide because immediately their eyes are opened and they understand for the first time in their life shame and fear and terror and insecurity. And Adam and Eve, for the first time ever in the history of the world, recognize there is death waiting for us. And when God comes to find them, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are hiding. And God's saying, Adam, where are you? Like he doesn't know, right? Where are you? Hiding under that leaf over there. And Adam's, Adam it says this, Adam says, I heard the sound of you. And that word heard is the same word Solomon uses here. And what, what's happening is Adam acknowledges God's presence. And he receives that God's presence is coming in. And he cowers away in, in, ter- in terror and fear. And Adam says, I hid. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And you know what? We have the choice. We are going to hear. We are going to listen. And, and the choice is, am I going to hear and listen and obey the voice of God or the voice of deception? Right, and Adam tries to blame it on Eve later. He says, well, I listened to her. <laughs> well, that was the problem. You didn't listen to me, God said. When we listen to anyone else other than him to find life and fulfillment and satisfaction, it's going to end in destruction. So Solomon says, my child, listen to this. This is good. It's for your well-being. I love you. He says, listen to your father's instruction. And this, and this, your father is so profound for us because as we looked at, and he gets into your, and your mother's teaching and, and this relationship that God has designed and wants us to have between a child and a parent is good. God has created it and designed it to be good. But because our desire is to reject God, brokenness, has plagued the father and the mother relationships with their children. And so Solomon says, I'm the head, I'm the chief, I'm the authority. We're your parents, we love you, we care for you, we want what's best for you. Listen to us. And 
In 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul kind of grasps some of this, and, and he recognizes, you know what? In this broken world, it is rare to find a father who will lead and guide and instruct and direct as God has intended. And here's what he says. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, for though you have many countless guides and instructors, you do not have many fathers. For I have become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And he's not talking about a literal biological father, right? He's talking about a spiritual father. He's talking about a loving father who, wants, who will come alongside and encourage and urge and guide and direct and instruct. And Paul says it is so few and far between for us to find that kind of father. He says, so I, in the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, I become your spiritual father. And he's writing this to a whole people, a church, not to an individual, to a church. And he he does this to many churches over and over. In, in Ephesians 6, 4, he, he's writing to the Ephesian church and he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And, and, and Paul gets this. He, he, like Solomon, is realizing that one of the keys to being a parent, a mother, or a father who reflects God is by imparting instruction, discipline, teaching, training. And God says, this is born in love. This is born in love. And so Solomon writes, he says, my child, here, listen to your father who loves you, who cares for you. This instruction. And what is this instruction? This is a literal correcting or reproving, a changing of course. And what he's getting at is there are many things this world is going to pull you toward. There are many things that are going to distract you from following me, from listening to me. So I need to help bring some correction and training. And the mother's teaching is to provide insight and understanding in how to really walk in this way. And so Solomon says, Listen and hear and forsake not this teaching and this instruction. And it always points to someone in the direction of wisdom. And what's ironic is that we in our pursuit of knowledge and understanding often turn to people who think they have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And then we end up getting in more and more trouble when we realize, I shouldn't have listened to that person. You know, I, I think about my daughters, my three, three girls and uh, my oldest daughter, who uh, possesses many of my qualities um, that make me realize I have a lot of work to, to grow in, uh, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is incredibly distracted. And her mind is buzzing all over the place all the time, and she's interested in so many things, and she's really outgoing and extroverted and can make a friend with a plant and, you know, all these things. And she just loves people and loves talking to people. And, and what often ends up happening is that as we're, my wife and I are trying to raise her and instruct her and teach her in these things, she gets so distracted all the time. She's so distracted. And we joke that, that we have her attention for about five seconds, and then she's, like, gone onto something else. And, uh, and, and I think 
oftentimes, Lord, why doesn't she get it? Why don't my kids get it? Has any parent in here thought that before? Am I the only one? Okay. You know, and, and so I think, Lord, why don't, why don't they get this? I mean, I've told them like 10 times, 20 times. And, uh, and, and, and in that moment, here's what I often hear. I think it's the Holy Spirit. Because it says, well, Clint, why don't you get it? And I think, oh, he got me. And, and I realize I am so distracted and I'm all over the place and I start things and an ESP and app will buzz on my phone and I'm looking at that or, you know, an email pops up and I'm so distracted about all kinds of different things. And, and when, I, when I look at my daughter and I think, why don't you get this? I have to ask myself the same question. Clint, why don't you get this? Why don't you pay attention, Clint, to what the Lord is trying to teach you and instruct you and, and, and raise me in? And God has given me daughters, children, to remind me of what the relationship with him needs to be like. And I love my children, and my youngest daughter turns one here in the next couple of weeks, and she's just learning to walk and just learning to take steps. And I think, you know what? So much of this is just a process of learning to take one step after another. And there are days where I, I just want everyone around me to get it, right? Like, every, if everyone could think the same way I think, this would be so much simpler. If my children would just be on the same page with me, it would be so much simpler. And, and, and God's saying, yeah, if, if you would just be on the same page with me, this would be so much simpler. And it, and it just takes learning to walk with him, learning to take steps with him. This instruction, this teaching, that he gives. This is hard, friends. This is so hard. We look at this and we think, how in the world am I supposed to live this out every day? Whether you're a parent trying to teach your kids or whether you're a kid trying to follow your parents, when sin gets in the picture, how are we supposed to live this out every day? And here's where this points us back to. In the garden, when Adam was hiding from his heavenly father, what did he do? He began to lean on himself. And Eve leaned on herself. And they became independent in their mentality, in their worldview, in their thinking, and they said, okay, this is going to be about me. And if we follow this path, the path of Adam an Eve that leads to disobedience, with sin, destruction, with brokenness and shame, and ultimately death, we will continue to see everything around us unravel. And we will continue to be in despair. And so if we look at that son, we have a picture of hopelessness. But there's another son, another son whom God sent who in righteousness and perfect obedience, who lived the perfect life that none of us could live, and then paid the ultimate penalty that none of us could pay, that perfect son brought freedom. That perfect son brought life. 
And so here we have the contrast between the fool Adam and the faithful Jesus, the perfect son. And so what does that mean for us? Well, Jesus says it himself. Our need is not to look at ourselves. How can I be better? Our need is to look to him. God, you are better. Walk with me through this. And Jesus says this in John 8, verses 31 and 32. He says, to those who had believed in him, if you abide and remain and dwell in my word and my instruction, my teaching, my truth, if you abide in this, you are truly my followers, my disciples. And he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in this kind of freedom? To have a relationship between parent and child that is built on freedom? Where when we say, I'm not going to forget this, the wisdom of my parents, because they're God-honoring, God-fearing, God-following, that's the kind of wisdom that it is. It's instruction and teaching coming from God, our Heavenly Father, our perfect, good Father who loves us with such an unstoppable, unbreaking, never giving up, always and forever love. This Bible, if some of you have seen this before, this is, this is a Bible that um, I love. It's a picture Bible, which is part of why I love it. And uh, we read it to our daughters pretty much every night, almost every night that we can. We alternate between this and another kid's Bible. The Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. And in, in the Jesus Storybook Bible, it, it, it describes God's love in this way, a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And as we read this to our daughters every night, and as we pray for our daughters every night, and we really make a point to do this, because we realize apart from this, we're going to mess a lot of things up. We have got to raise them up in the instruction and knowledge and understanding of the Lord. And as we do this, we pray that our daughters would follow our teaching and instruction because we're following the teaching and instruction of our Heavenly Father. And that's where it has to come from. And I need Jesus every day to help me in this. So as we close this out, as we move forward, here's the question for us. Am I going to move forward based on the relationship I have with God that will make my relationship with my parents or my children all the more beneficial and, and blessing? Am I going to move forward in that relationship built on love and respect? Am I going to move forward in, in, a, in a mentality and a mindset that listens to and seeks to acquire knowledge and insight and understanding from God, the fear of God or the fear of the world? And how am I going to make decisions in my life, daily, everyday decisions, to remember and not forget the goodness and loving kindness of God our Father? Every four years, there's a country, a nation, that seems to come back to a place over and over where they realize we have a lot of mistakes, a lot of problems whether it's with violence, guns, terrorism, immigration, whatever it is, social issues, political issues. This, this country revisits these things over and over again every four years, right? 
And every four years, someone rises up and says, I have the answer. I have the solution. And I ha- I'm going to build a platform that's going to point us in the right direction, right? To make everything great, right? Or to bring hope, to bring life. And, and, and people rise up and they think, I'm going to fix this. And history has taught us what? There's only one individual who can fix it. There's only one individual who can fill the gap and the hole in our lives that sin has created. There's only one individual who can bring life, who can bring hope, who can bring greatness. And that, that individual will never run for president, trust me, because he's king. He doesn't need to run for president. God's kingdom is built on a a monarchy where we have a good, loving king. And everything we do and everything we say and everything we think, friends, has to go through the lens and the perspective of, am I submitting and surrendering to my good king, my loving father, my good father, This is the direction God wants us to move. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. You are a good Father. And Lord, this is a word we flippantly throw around, good. But Lord, there is nothing even close to the goodness that you bring. God who loves us, who knows our pain, who knows our weakness, who knows our insecurity, who knows our sin, who knows everything we've done, and you choose to love us with the never giving up, never failing, unbreaking always and forever love. Father, we praise you for being this good Father. And I pray that we as a church and we as men and women in pursuit of you, God, would find our identity and our hope and our security and our freedom and our life in you. And that out of that, the relationship with our our children and our, our parents would be full of life and would be blessed and that we would never forget the wisdom that has been imparted by you to us. So God, help us. We need help every day. Be our strength. Be our hope. Help us to be men and women, children, young and old, who love you and surrender our lives to you as our good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen.